In the entertainment capital of the world, the world. Touchdown, Las Vegas. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Show. Airs it out down the middle for Adams. Got it. Inside at the 10. Devontae. Touchdown. What a play on fourth down. It's time to get your daily prescription. Prescription. From the doctor. And here we go, right smack dab in the middle of Super Bowl 58 here once again. T.C. Martin, my tag team partner, Marco D'Angelo, with me in the house as we are counting down days to Super Bowl 58. The chaos, the excitement, call it what you want, here in Las Vegas. And glad to be with you here again. All right, we continue on here, working our way towards Super Bowl 58, the Kansas City Chiefs, the San Francisco 49ers. And uh, plenty of guests coming your way here today. And uh, don't forget, uh, tomorrow, Best Bets coming your way. We will uh, do that. The Westgate Las Vegas inside the Superbook. But uh, we continue to hype everything up today. Multi-time Super Bowl, I want to say, I can't say champion, but I can say participant. Steve Tasker from the Buffalo Bills. I got to be very careful with that because, <laughs> as we know, Buffalo's never won a Super Bowl. Wow. But uh, in those Steve Tasker, Jim Kelly years, there were so many times when they were there. And uh, when we talked to Steve Tasker today, Marco, please do not say wide right. <laughs> whatever you do, don't do it. Uh, I'll, and Numchuck, whatever you do, do not play a sounder of wide right. Oh, <laughs> right? come on. That's all the fun in it. We did that, didn't we do it? Was it last week when we, we were did it last week? To, when uh, no, two the, weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After, yeah, after Buffalo, three weeks ago, after Buffalo lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. So we will talk to Steve Tasker about that. One of my favorites, uh, Steve Tasker, doing uh, great radio work with the Bills radio network and also the. Uh, the Buffalo Bills flagship station and a daily sports talk as well, too. So we've got uh, Tasker coming on today, and we will continue on here as well. All right, uh, Marco, would you call it the chaos that we've been surrounded in all week or excitement or maybe combo of the two? It's basically off the rails. I mean, you, you talk about everything that's going on with the Super Bowl. That obviously in itself could fill the whole week up, which it has because everybody's been talking about it for two weeks, and this week's when we get serious about it. But think of everything else that's going on in Vegas. Tuesday night, you had the hockey game of the year in our, you know, in our town. You had the uh, Edmonton Oilers come to town, play the VGK Golden Knights. Um, seven, 16 game winning streak. Mm-hmm. Try, and I was rooting very hard for Vegas that night for two reasons. One, I like Vegas, and two, I didn't want them to break the Penguins' uh, record who owned the longest winning streak. Wait a minute. When you usually say two reasons, one of those is because you have a wager on that team. Yeah. I, I didn't hear you say that. I did not have a wager on it because Edmonton had been playing some great hockey, obviously winning 16 in a row. So that was an electric scene Tuesday night. You've got boxing tonight in town uh get a you know good fight card 
then you've got golf. Hmm. You know, I know golf in the background, but it's not. I mean, you've got, you know. It's a live golf tour, so that obviously is in some people's minds maybe a step below, even though they have recruited successfully and, and paid money pay, talks yeah money talks and <laughs> and has gotten uh, they've gotten many of the PGA tour golfers to join live and, and live here in town here at the Las Vegas uh, Country Club and that is a scene and I, I'm not sure how well that is going to be attended I know our good friend uh, Jay Cornegay is on uh, on the course at the Las Vegas Country Club today we'll talk to him tomorrow you know regarding that but uh, again it, it kind of you know, I was gone most of the last week, and then that one kind of caught me by surprise that Liv was in Vegas as well. And I know a lot of people are saying, like, well, why would they choose this weekend of all weekends to be in Las Vegas? Well, obviously, it's, it's not by coincidence. It's by design. And I guess the question is, is that a smart move or, or, or a bad move yeah, on their I've- part? For one, you've got a lot of, you know, you always want to get your product in front of as many eyeballs as possible. So just from a standpoint of Vegas being as busy as it's going to be this week, maybe that's the thinking. But um, the reverse thinking to that is, you know, if you're here in Vegas, what do you want to do? Do you want to go watch golf or do you want to take in all the Super Bowl festivities leading up to the Super Bowl, all the parties at night? I all over town, there's parties galore, you know, and we're not even talking about the Sunday watch parties that'll be everywhere in town. It's just, it's nuts. I know me personally, I want to stay away from the strip as much as I can uh, this this week because it's not, it, it's crazy. Traffic's nuts. We've got all, and we still got all that construction going up. You know, the upper end of Trop, which is where you got to, where everything is being funneled to, because me living on the west side, as I told you coming uh, to Radio Row yesterday, I just would always shoot down one street and it'd take me right into the back of Mandalay Bay. Yeah. Well, Super Bowl's got that road closed <laughs> off. Uh, Marco had to take a detour yesterday. When I was coming out of Mandalay Bay yesterday after the show, I almost got hit on three different occasions in just like a quarter of a mile span. I mean, it was just insane. And again, as you know, you know, Tuesday being down there, Wednesday being down there, it's 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 heightened every day. And now we you know continue to get more and more people coming to town. It is it, it is crazy. And you know, I was thinking about this. You know, you know walking around Mandalay Bay the last couple of days, and and I'm seeing now all of these. You know, fans and the jerseys, and like when we were coming out last night, I, I, something let out like, you know, next door or part of the convention center here, and I'm looking at like, okay, what what is this? And it was just like a herd of fans. Usually we get that, uh, you know, like leading up to Aces games, they'll have a convention and everyone has their badges and all this. But these were fans, and I'm going like, okay, was was there some pep rally or something that I didn't know? <laughs> but there's so many functions and so many things that are that are going around, and and basically got trampled, you know, coming out of there. So it's just every day it's more and more people, which is great. But you know what was going through my mind? I'm going like, okay, the game's Sunday. Now, we know most people will be going home Monday. Maybe they'll go home Tuesday. But if you're arriving here on a Tuesday or a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday of this this week, you're spending a lot of money. (laughs) Hotel rooms, food, like you said, parties, because everything else, it's not like everything is inclusive with one price tag. If you're going to be going to this stuff, if you're a fan. Now, the media, yes, we get a little bit spoiled because we have our 
our week of pass that gets us into all of these events, and which is separate from our Super Bowl credential for Sunday. But these people are coming and they got to pay for all these things. It's just amazing when you think about okay, what is you know what is the fan base here? I mean, how how much is too much? You know, when you're putting a price tag on. And we haven't even begun to talk about what, what the tickets are for the game itself. But just think about that. A week in Vegas at this time with hotels, food, transportation, and tickets for events. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, remember Vegas 20 years ago, you know, when you would come out to Vegas, I mean, it was a literally was a value to come out. You get rooms a lot of times for next to nothing. If you were a gambler, you're getting them comp in, you know, Every casino, you know, I remember the old days of the, you know, steak and eggs at night for, you know, two ninety nine, three ninety nine. Uh, you know, those are lost leaders to get you into the casinos because they know once you're there, you're going to spend money, you know, whether it be at the blackjack tables or the slot machines, whatever. You know, they don't have to do that now. You know, the corporate America has changed, you know, the way Vegas looks at things. It's now they're making the money on the high-end restaurants, the nightclubs, the, you know, the million dollar show productions that we have all over town. And yes, gaming still is there, but that pie chart, mm-hmm. it's split differently where, you know, all the money comes from. Before it always came strictly from the gambling and everything else was just an afterthought. Now, entertainment and food is a big, big business for, for Vegas and these casinos. It just goes to to show you how you know people will spend whatever it takes to be part of something, whether it's a bucket list thing or whatever. But again, I'm thinking more along the lines of the actual fans of these teams, the Niners and the Chiefs, because just seeing you know so many of these fans is like wow. I mean, these, these are are true diehards. And then you know, I know you and Numchuck have been really monitoring the ticket prices. Talked a little bit about that yesterday for the Super Bowl. I don't know. And I had heard that, okay, well, now tickets are starting to drop a little bit. I don't know, you know, if they, that's true or they, not. They have dropped a little bit. You know, I look at the, you know, the third, second market, you know. The secondary reason. market, right, right. In, uh, you know, the very popular Because that's where all the seats are. I mean, there's... That's, that, yeah. Yeah. In, <laughs> you were, there was the cheapest ticket that I saw yesterday, and you were in the upper level, like about... The four, 400s? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And... <laughs> upper rows yeah. you were you know you were you know maybe six rows in back from the top i mean you're you're up there gonna get a nosebleed seventy seven hundred dollars <laughs> hey t yes the average price of tickets sold on StubHub was eighty six hundred down from ninety three hundred on monday so that was wednesday's price was eighty six hundred so that's why people are saying that they're dropping. And they're they they're dropping drop a little because, bit. Because that is a ridiculous amount. And obviously, people are going to start high with any you know ticket they have, whether it's a, a championship fight, if it's you know a major game or whatever. I get it's going to start high, and then then the public will will demand whether you know it stays there or raises up or, or, or lowers. But that just just seems like a ridiculous price to begin with. Yeah, and a lot of people that I follow, you know, on. X, Twitter, whichever way you want to refer to it, that are Vegas people. That that's what they do. They go around and look at prices of rooms have dropped in the last couple of days as well. And it's the same thing. It's that you know, when you want to lock something in early, you're gonna you're gonna pay for it because people have that that initial panic. They don't want to get shut out. But then as you get closer, and some people 
cancel out, whatever. You know, there's probably, same thing happened for Formula One. Right. You know, those prices, everything was off the charts at the beginning. And then you have those sweet spots where the price will drop and grab it. But then when you get close to game day, people that haven't gotten anything yet, and they're panicking and want to do it, you know, it can go either way on game day. It can go back up or it can continue to drop. Mm-hmm. All right. Continue to keep an eye on uh, that. But, yeah, ticket prices at, at a premium, at a high. Allegiant Stadium on Sunday will be uh, an electric atmosphere. It, it is very corporate as well, too. But we, we are seeing, you know, fans are going to make their way in. They're, they're going to they're gonna find their way to, to get those tickets and to get in. But you got to remember – with uh, corporate America the way it is with so many NFL sponsors, you got to remember there are uh, a lot of seats that are already spoken for. And whether those are e- either employees or families' employees of, say, the Budweiser's, the Coca-Cola's, the FedEx's, you know, the, the, the progressive, the, the major sponsors, a lot of them will use those for contests as well, too. And, uh, you know, you see that going on and hear about that going on almost a year in advance with that. So it, it, it's interesting. Super Bowl has always been a weird crowd type of thing. And that's why I'm very curious to see how this crowd is going to be on Sunday inside Allegiant Stadium. If it is going to be that, that true neutral, um, or, you know, what is the predominant, um, you know, percentage of fans? Is it going to be Niners or Chiefs or is it going to be, you know, both at a smaller level, and then there'll just be so many more neutral fans and in, in corporate takes over. So th- those are the things that I'm curious about because, as we know, when we go to Raider games, we know what we're going to get, especially if the Chiefs or the 49ers come into town like they've had. Uh, we will have at least 50% of the visiting team. These are two rapid fan, fan bases, very popular public teams, as we know. And uh, But then again, what's the threshold? How much are these fans well, willing to pay to see this game? How many times do you see it? You know, it happens too often at games. You won't see it at this game because of the ticket prices. But you always see somebody put a, a video out on Twitter, some drunk fan getting mouthy with somebody else and a fight breaks out and saying this is a different type of crowd true that is going to be at this game and i'm not trying to be derogatory to, you're not you know this isn't the shot in a beer crowd coming in okay? right all right we're not you know, this is more of the wine and cheese crowds yeah, okay. well, yeah a little high little and, you know that, highfalutin and you know? that was the or the, bougie as you that, would like to there say. You go. that was always the joke in northern california with niner fans versus raiders fans yes. when the raiders were in oakland that you would have you know the hardcore you know you know, you the know black shot, hole. Yeah, the <laughs> shot glasses and the beer crowd versus they used to call the Niners the wine and cheese crowd all the time. But yeah. let me tell you, man, firsthand, uh, those Niner fans are, they're insane too. I mean, you'd be blown away at, at, at the fights and the arrests that you would see in the parking lot going back to, to Candlestick Park. I've never been to a game since the Niners moved to Santa Clara, uh, what that is like. But, uh, you know, again, they jack those prices up for season tickets. And, again, it's it's a more, you know, uh, higher-end stadium. But you're still gonna you're still getting those fans. Elite Stadium is as great as it is, but it is a tourist attraction. And so when these fans come in, I mean, those are the true fans that come during the regular season, like you said. And as far as the playoff game at Allegiant Stadium, well, we really wouldn't know too much about that. <laughs> this is true. The other thing that you're going to have to see is in forget for a second that the Super Bowl is actually here 
in Las Vegas. Every year, this is one of the major events for the casinos in Las Vegas is Super Bowl weekend because people want to come here, you know, in until the last few years, obviously, we were, you know, the sports betting capital of the world. Now, you know, you got all the, all the other states that have jumped on board, but it was still an event. People came, hang out in Vegas because there were all the parties and, you know, a lot of the parties always had, you know, a former you know, NFL player there is their spokesperson and so forth. So it was a fun event. Now you actually put the Super Bowl here in people that make the trip to Vegas. What's Allegiant Stadium hold? 65,000. Okay. There'll be 300,000 people say they were in Vegas for the Super Bowl. Yeah, right. Okay. Right. You know, which technically they were. Yeah. And uh, we were talking about this yesterday with Jay Schrader when he was saying that uh, there are going to be more than 65,000. The NFL will figure out a way to pack in another three, four, or 5,000 fans at least in there. How? I have no idea. But it'll be interesting to see the attendance figures on you know late Sunday afternoon, early Sunday evening to see what the actual attendance is. And I'm waiting to hear what the NFL has to say after this Super Bowl. Because remember, it wasn't that long ago that talking anything about sports betting and the NFL was taboo. You know, I mean, we've come a long way. I've been doing this in the business that I am in, TC, sports betting uh, and handicapping, 44 years, okay? I never thought I would see this day that, you know, we'd have all the states that we have finally, you know, passing legalized sports betting, see a Super Bowl in Las Vegas, and to see almost every commercial break is going to have a sports book advertisement in it. It, it, It's crazy how much everything has changed. I can't rate... Wait to see what the number, final numbers are for the handle. I mean, that always comes out, you know, a week or so after the, the Super Bowl. And, you know, we've shattered it how many years, you know. Right. They're going to shatter it again this shatter, year. Shatter. It's not even going to be close. Shatter. Yeah, but, we talked to Chuck Esposito the other day about that, you know, one of our good partners. And and he didn't want to be on the record of saying that. I said, okay, Chuck, I'm going to say it for you. Yeah. And then, you know, we'll say it, uh, you know, at the Westgate as well, too. It's like, No. It, it's public gonna, knowledge. It's, it's it going, on. yeah, it's going to be shattered. There's no question. And a guy like John Murray, I'm sure he'll, he has no problem. He'll yeah. say, oh yeah. And even Jay Cornegay. Yeah. But, you know, Chuck's a little reserved. You know, he's just, you know, he wants to, you know, toe the corporate line and everything. And then finally I got him, you know, at the end of the conversation on, on Tuesday saying, okay, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, it will. And it will because not only because every year it's more and more and more and, not only because it's here in Vegas, but look at the teams. You could not have asked for a better Super Bowl than the Niners and the Chiefs from a public wagering standpoint, a public uh, fan base standpoint, and two teams that, you know, it's the, the game is really hard to figure, so you're going to have great two-way action. So you know, we talk about the handle, but what I want to talk about with the bookmakers is that they are going to have a profitable day no matter the outcome right. because as of right now you know you're getting solid real good two-way action you've got big bets larger bets on the 49ers which has propelled them to be the favorite but nearly 70 percent of the tickets are on the chiefs 10 percent adds up real quick right with the big baby it does yeah and the other point that i was saying about the nfl is if this goes off without a hitch how often do you think 
Vegas gets in the mix. You know, because there's you know they try to move it around and that, but there's certain cities that every four they, years that they they come they come back to because good because the logistics of this town there's not a better location that can handle all of the people that are coming here. And I forget where it was at. What Super Bowl was it? The one the one year that they actually had cruise ships docked so that they could have extra rooms for it. I, I can't remember. That was Miami. Year. That was in Miami? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is. We don't have to do that. And people don't have to go 40 miles away from the location to find rooms. There's right. rooms everywhere in Vegas. And literally in walking distance. Yeah. Walking distance mm-hmm. and, you know, short, you know, Uber or Lyft rides. And that's the thing. We're seeing there was always a small, you know, percentage of of the teams that get to host, okay, because they always factor in weather, number one. Then you had to look at, you know, the stadium size, number two. Then you had to look at the condition of the stadium, number three. And remember, San Diego, way back in the day, was part of that rotation. It was Miami, it was San Diego, it was Los Angeles, and then all of a sudden, okay, now we started, you know, you know, adding on. And then, you know, San Diego came up. It was like, well, wait a minute. This, this stadium is kind of antiquated and you're going to have to do some major upgrades in order to do that. We love the idea about the weather. We love the idea that, you know, it's San Diego and a lot of stuff to do and you've got hotel rooms and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, LA played itself out of it because they didn't want to play in the LA Coliseum anymore. Right. So then you had to, you know, move, uh, you know, the Rams out. You know, to St. Louis, so you're a void of Super Bowls. So now when the Rams came back in and then the Chargers joined them, you have, you know, SoFi Stadium, which will be a regular spot to go. But like to your point, you're in Inglewood and they're building up that area. It's nicer than it has been, but it's nowhere close to this. It's nowhere close to Miami. It's nowhere close to maybe even Tampa. Tampa's not an extremely large city, but they are in the rotation. Then we saw, you know, when you had the, the domes and then people were saying, well, how come we never get a chance? You know, we being like Minnesota and Detroit. So they said, they, okay, we're going to sprinkle you in because you have a dome stadium, but in Indianapolis, but it really doesn't do you much good. You know, when, if you have a snowstorm or you've got, you know, temperature in the teens to go out and do all of these things that people want to do. So I know that's why there were some people that were frowning about Vegas. They got here, and you know, I heard it yesterday. They're going, man, it's in the 40s. It's in the 50s. I thought, <laughs> that has to be a record low here. And I'm saying, no, we actually have winters here. Mm-hmm. You know, you ever heard, you know, the desert, you know, the dryness. They got the dry cold. You got yeah. the dry heat, right? Yeah. And people don't realize that. Yeah. So it is too bad from that standpoint that Vegas doesn't have temperatures at least in the upper 60s or lower 70s like you would have in Miami or maybe you would have in Los Angeles or San Diego. But you know, this, it, it is what it is. But this is the winners that we get here. Luckily, all of your activities indoors. But that still, you know, kind of curtails, you know, people from from you know having a lot of fun yeah. because it, it's cold weather and nope, rain. No problem with hotel rooms, restaurants galore in this city. I mean, you I mean you know that uh, from personal experiences. It's just it's the perfect location, and Vegas has become, you know. In a matter of what six years, a full-fledged sports town. Twenty eighteen, you say, you know, pretty much, you know, when the yeah. the Golden Knights came, Aces followed, Raiders several years after that, and again, you know, the conference 
tournaments that we have with college basketball and now Final Fours. It's just going to continue to grow and grow and grow. The international soccer games. Yeah. I mean, it just it just continues to grow. So I mean, that that is a point that um, as we're sitting here in Super Bowl and we were waiting to the lead up with this whole thing coming off the F1, which was different for us. And which was really a nightmare for for us that really don't care for locals. For, it was well, exactly yeah, yeah. they don't care for auto racing or whatever. But it was a nightmare with the Super Bowl. You don't have to worry about tearing up roads and all that stuff. Still, traffic is bad. The crowds are bad. But see, I've gotten the feeling over this whole process. I don't know about you, but you know, for me, doing a bunch of these World Championship fights over the years and this and that, it was like okay, it was it was spread out. But it was like, okay, we're used to this. This does not seem like a shock to me. To me, it just seems like it just fell in line with everything else. From World Championship Boxing to UFC, you know, to the Stanley Cup Finals, which was really the the calling card. Like, whoa, okay, now, now, now we're here with a professional sports team and we're hosting. We got a chance to do that twice. And then with all these other events and then the Raiders, even though, again, it's not playoffs and this and that, but every Sunday, you know, is, is, is a madhouse and a zoo. And now you have, again, all-star games, Formula One, and Super Bowl, it, you're, for me... You're, you're forgetting one in December. In it's a big one, too. The rodeo. The rodeo. Yeah, the rodeo. That's an 11-day right. event. Yeah, it yeah. sells out every right. single right. night. Right. And again, that's been here forever, like yeah. boxing. That yeah. you're, you're right. So, but yeah, I, I guess I didn't, you know, you and I are different. I mean, you're involved in that. I mean, you're not, you know, on any, on, on any bull or anything, but you're, you're taking those Cowboys money because you're rolling around the casino. I mean, I know. love that. One. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, you're like with those hustlers out there, man. You're, you're almost like, you're almost like the cheap hooker. It's how they're just waiting, Whoa. waiting, waiting. You're saying, Hey, let me get in this game. Let me put on my cowboy hat, baby. Woo. I mean, no, that's Marco. You know, when it comes rodeo time, but anyway, that's, you know, I don't cover that stuff or whatever. We don't care about it. But anyway, the point of the matter is, for me, I feel like this is nothing extraordinary special. It has just fallen in the lines of everything else, like you said, that's really happened for the last five, six years. Yeah. Which is pretty cool when you think about it. And we're not done. I don't know. For, don't I... forget, the A's are on the way. Okay. Once we get the, once we get the, the stadium built, they'll be here. And I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, you know it and I know it, we're going to get an NBA team. That's that's you know, yes. We get an NBA team, and you're going to get a, another big deal is a Major League Baseball All Star game. You're going to be getting okay. an All Star game. Yeah. That's coming too. Even though that stadium will only seat like thirty thousand, they don't care about that anymore because they've had All Star games that you know in in less than forty thousand seat seats. Uh, you know, forty thousand seats. So um, it, it's all coming. You're right. It, it's all coming. It's already been here. Yeah. But for me, it's just like okay. It's just you know, it's. Maybe the chaos isn't bothering me that much. I don't know. <laughs> but maybe yes, after yesterday, it was, you know, leaving, man, I was going, okay, almost got hit here, this and that. But, yeah, there's craziness. But uh, we can pick, our, pick and choose our spots, right? Pick and, pick and choose our spots. But, Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, this is a great time. But for people just visiting Vegas or for people who just moved to Vegas, then they're thinking, like, wow, this is, this is crazy. But, uh, yes, the world is converging on Las Vegas, uh, not only the national media, worldwide media, uh, but just fans uh, from all over. But, yeah, it definitely seems natural. All right, when we come back, uh, we will talk to one of those guys that uh, – 
participated in four Super Bowls. He was a fantastic wide receiver, did a fantastic job for many years uh, with CBS uh, television as well, too. Steve Tasker is going to join us when we come back as we continue as we get ready for Super Bowl 58 here on Sunday. Now, more of your favorite personal sports physician. This doesn't sound like the usual mindless, boring chit-chat. It's the Dr. T.C. Martin. Continuing on, getting ready for Super Bowl 58 on Sunday here in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo, my tag team partner, as we continue to roll on here right in the middle of all of the hype here in Las Vegas. All right, joining me now, a guy who knows a thing or two about Super Bowls, not only from uh, covering them with with CBS back in the day, but also as a player with the Buffalo Bills. A fantastic career he had as a wide receiver, special teamers, uh, did it all. I love talking to him, and he joins us now, Steve Tasker. What's up, Steve? Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. No problem. No problem. Okay, Steve, well, I got to... I got to ask. I know that you're, you know, you're still in Buffalo and you work with the Bills organization. You're doing, uh, you know, you know, radio, TV there, and you do the the daily radio there in, in Buffalo and their sports uh, uh, station. I want to know how it, we're two weeks removed from, you know, the Bills. Well, three weeks removed, I guess, basically from the Bills being removed. Uh, how are things there in Buffalo? Have those fans still got? Have they gotten over it yet, or what? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, they they were pretty resilient. Um, they love the team they got. They love the guys they got. Um, they put together a really nice run at the end of the season to get to the number two seed in the conference. I think, it, yeah, they were pretty disappointed uh, in the Chiefs game, particularly since it was here in Buffalo. Uh, the Bills have played the Chiefs in Kansas City every year for four or five years now, and they were kind of ready for a chance at them in their building. But it just didn't go well, and that's been the story for the Bills uh, really for the entire Josh era, they are really good, tough to beat. They're as good as anybody in the league, literally. They're good enough to go to and win the Super Bowl each of the last four years. But they've got to play well on that last day of the season. You know, when they've got an elimination game deep in the playoffs, they've got to play well on that game. And then sometimes you've got to get breaks, um, and they haven't. Certainly, you got to tip your hat to Mahomes and Andy Reid. Those guys are legit. Kelsey, they make plays when they need to have them. Uh, the Bills just didn't make enough plays in that last game and ended their season because of it. But I think the fans here in Buffalo know that this is going to be a team that's going to be in this conversation at this time of year, every year, as long as they've got Josh Allen. And especially here in Vegas, Steve, as you know, the, the Bills are a very uh, public uh, fan favorite team from a betting perspective as well too and the Bills are one of the favorites year in and year out and especially you know with the development of Josh Allen over the last few years and the other pieces uh, that they have but you just you look at them and you say wow here we go again I'm just really um, you know I want to know what those Bills fans are, are, are saying in that community is it like here we go again because you know as you know better than anybody it kind of feels like they can just never get over that hump, and it seemed like this could be the year, especially you know having that home field advantage at least in that game against Kansas City. Yeah, I, I think there is there's some of that. I mean, there's always going to be that until you get there. And um, I, I just I'm one of those guys. I mean, I you know I haven't played and covered a bunch of teams, getting to and winning it, and uh, getting there myself four times and losing it. I, I just you know I think there is um, some. Um, there's a prevailing thought that 
it's the same thing every year, and it's really never the same thing any year. Uh, the Bills, uh, you know, you go to these games, and every game is a is its own animal. And certainly, you've got to play well. You got to make those plays at the critical moments when you got to have them. The Bills have done it at times, um, and they they've made enough plays to win it. And then you get a guy like Mahomes and Kelsey. One year they make one more play than you do, and they win it. Or, or you get a bad call, or you miss a kick. Uh, there's a million ways to lose a football game, but when you're good enough like the Bills are, I mean, it's been three years since they've lost a game in the regular season by more than a single possession. Uh, they're just really tough to beat. So one of these years, you got to think that uh, they are going to make the plays, and those plays are going to hold up at the end of the game, and they're going to get a chance to advance a little farther. Um, but they've been good enough. you got to believe they're good enough, and they're going to go back and take another swing next year, no question about it. Uh, they got a lot of work to do, no question, but um, they've got to feel like they are doing so many things right each and every off season and regular season that they're going to have a chance at it again. And they're just going to sit patiently here and stew on this for a little bit and get back to work. Steve Tasker joins us, former Buffalo Bills uh, wide receiver. And of course, Steve does a fantastic job as part of the, the Bills uh, media there. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the Kansas City Chiefs and a team that obviously you have covered uh, from your time with CBS, but also in Buffalo. It just seems like there is this rivalry, even when they don't face each other off in the playoffs. There are these regular season matchups with the Bills and the Chiefs as well. Two teams that really know each other exceptionally well. The Bills have gotten the better of the Chiefs in, in these last couple regular season meetings, but here again in the playoffs, even though Buffalo was hosting there three weeks ago, they just couldn't get the job done. Talk a little bit about the Chiefs as they prepare for this game against the 49ers, and what is it about this Chiefs team, even though that they're going to be underdogs here again, that uh, people feel that they're the favorite? Yeah, it's certainly. There's a million, a million things going on in an NFL team, but you, you certainly have Pat. Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, and those guys. But I think the thing about the Chiefs you've got to tip your hat to is the fact that they have morphed from this offense first, let's go, let's score more points than everybody. It doesn't matter if we have a defense kind of team to a team that kind of played with their food offensively all regular season and now turned it on, flipped the switch in the playoffs and kind of got that magic back and got that offensive energy back. Uh, this is a Chiefs team that is incredibly well built, and you got to tip your hat for them to go, for going so young last year defensively, and having faith in a bunch of young guys that were unproven, giving them a chance to develop through the regular season, and riding them all the way to the Super Bowl championship. And they show up this year, and they're even better defensively. Steve Spagnuolo has done a magnificent job. It's a team that has continued to play at a high level now on the defensive side, matching what the team was offensively three or four years ago, and they're putting it together for another run. Um, they really have done a masterful job of staying really solid on both sides of the ball, and then in given moments, uh, whatever Andy Reid tells those guys or the message he gives them, He's got a room full of guys that rise to the occasion, and that's really difficult to do as a head coach. Sometimes those guys show up and they already have that inside of them, but I think you've got to give Andy Reid a lot of credit for having a group. Certainly Pat Mahomes has always been that guy. Travis Kelsey's always been that guy. 
But now you've got a ton of guys on the other side of the ball, like Chris Jones and some of the young guys in the back end, Sneed and McDuffie, who have learned how to rise to the moment. And that's what these games are. These teams are not that far apart. They're not separated by all that much. The Bills, the Baltimore Ravens, the Chiefs, the Niners, uh, all those teams, you know, Tampa Bay, these teams that have, have gotten to that level, they're not that separated by that much. And all you need is one or a guy in the right spot at the right time to make a play when he has the opportunity. The Chiefs have consistently done that throughout the Andy Reid era and the Pat Mahomes era. And it hasn't just been Pat Mahomes. It's been a ton of other guys. And that's what I think Andy Reid deserves a lot of credit for. Right. You know, you mentioned Steve Spagnola, and he's been getting a lot of love here uh, this past week and even the last few weeks, of course, because of that Kansas State Chiefs defense. And as you know, that when we're talking about the Chiefs in years past, we would talk about the offense, and they would basically have to outscore opponents. They were not known for the defense, even though Spagnuolo's been there you know, for quite some time. Why is this Chiefs defense you know, at the top of the NFL, leading the NFL in several categories, when before it was almost kind of like their Achilles heel? Yeah, it's not, it's not one thing. I mean, it's, you know, they, they got better as a team when they let maybe one of the most dynamic players in the history of the game walk out the door and go to Miami for 30 million bucks a year. When they lost Tyreek Hill, a lot of people thought it was going to hurt them. They went, they got better because the money they saved from paying Tyreek Hill, they hit on all those draft picks and those, they got a lot of contributors in that next draft class. They sprinkle in a couple of free agents. The young guys on their team, on the defensive side, and you're right, Spagnola deserves all the all the accolades you can give him because he got those young players to play at a really high level and gave them a chance to be successful, and they've carried the torch for this team. So one of the reasons they have been able to make that transition is they had the money to spend because they said no to a really great player. And two, they they nailed it in a couple of drafts in a row and got some great contributors on a team that really didn't know if they could anybody could be good enough to come in and make a difference on a team that good and yet they did so all that stuff going in the cap space they made by not paying Tyreek the drafts they had and the faith they showed in some young players and the development their coaching staff allowed those young players to do go through is really what led them to this the team they have today Excellent point. Excellent point there with uh, Steve Tasker. All right, so let's talk a little bit about this offense for the Kansas City Chiefs because it has not lit up the scoreboard. I mean, we're used to seeing this team, you know, scoring 31, 35, you know, 40 plus points. But when you go back, this, this Chiefs offense, uh, they're getting it done by winning games, you know, by scoring in the 20s. And uh, they've received a little bit of flack for that. And it seems like, again, you know, they're, they're in close games. They're, they've been behind in these games as in, in the Buffalo game, as you well know. But how are they still able to win these games without not putting up these chief-like numbers that we've seen in the past? Yeah, they just don't go away. They're a lot like even, you know, we've been talking about it, and I cover the Bills every all day, every day, and the Bills are the exact same way. You just can't get up on them far enough where you're out of reach on the scoreboard. And then when when it comes to crunch time, guys like Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and, and Rasheed Rice and uh, Isaiah Pacheco, They've got guys on the offensive side of the ball that can, when the chips are down, that consistently come through for that team, either with a first down, crucial catch, or to stay ahead of the sticks, or maybe even to score. 
they just don't go away, so you're never out of the woods. And with Pat Mahomes, you keep giving him opportunities in a close game. Sooner or later, Travis Kelsey and the rest of those guys, they're going to hit on it, and they're going to score some points. And if you don't match them on every side of the ball, offense, defense, special teams, they're just going to outdistance you. Uh, possession after possession, you have to match their ability to make the play that it needs to give your team the edge. And they do it better than anybody. So I just think this is a tough team in Kansas City. And the Niners are the same way. They're, they're really just so hard to get out in front of. The defense plays good enough or great enough to keep your offense in the, in the game. And series by series, you know, they score enough points to give them the lead late, and you've got to make some plays to beat them, and a lot of teams just aren't up to it. All right, let's talk about the 49ers. Obviously, the big question mark here is they do not have a Patrick Mahomes. Brock Purdy's getting a lot of love, but if we go back and we look at Brock Purdy in big games, wasn't there. I mean, the Baltimore game really stands out for me. You know, with the four interceptions, he had to be replaced, and they got, they got bl- blasted on their home field against the Baltimore Ravens. And then Purdy wasn't great in either playoff game against, you know, a number seven seed in the Green Bay Packers and then the Detroit Lions. You know, again, both those games on their home field here. Yes, Purdy rallied the team, but he had a guy by the name of Christian McCaffrey and then Debo Samuel to to help carry the load here. I'm curious, Steve, what do you see when you look at Brock Purdy in this Niners offense? They've got they've got a great roster. I mean, everywhere they have a great roster. Uh, you, they can beat you a, a ton of different ways. I think one of the things that Purdy did in this last game, in the last round of playoffs, when he snapped off three big runs to keep the chains moving, uh, to get a big, huge first down, uh, his legs were actually the difference. He just pulled it down. Now, he's also the guy, and ultimately, that's the way the NFL is structured. You're going to win games because ultimately you have to have a guy that can stand in the pocket and make throws and beat you that way. You have, in doing so, you force a defense to do some things defensively that leave themselves vulnerable to a quarterback that can run. So if you can get out of the pocket and they, you force them by beating them from the pocket to do some things defensively that exposes them in the pass rush and a quarterback that pulls it down can do just enough to tip the balance. And I think that's what Purdy did in these last few things. They, this last few games of the playoffs, just enough to make that defense stretch a little too far so that sooner or later McCaffrey can snap one off or Debo Samuel can break loose on a, on a big play. So you know, the versatility of Debo Samuel and McCaffrey really make it a lot, take a lot of the pressure off of Purdy to do things by himself. Those two guys are versatile enough. They can split out. They can line up in the backfield. They can run it. They can catch it enough uh, in enough different ways to allow Kyle Shanahan to always make sure Purdy's got a guy to throw to. And Purdy, to his credit, the guy's a great decision maker. The guy steps up, finds the open guy, and delivers it on time. So when you've got a, when you've got a guy that can do that with the weapons he has around him, there's always going to be an answer. And Purdy, to this point, has been really impressive in his ability to find that answer. The Niners' defense, uh, they're rock solid. I mean, Bo's up front, and they've got linebackers, They, you know, Greenway and others. 
but for some reason they got torched against San Francisco, against Detroit and, and Green Bay. It was rather shocking to see you know 400 plus yards given up by that Niners defense. And I know that their defense coordinator is not happy with this. Uh, talk a little bit about what you've seen with the Niners defensively, and how much of a red flag is that considering you're going up against Patrick Mahomes in this dynamic Chiefs offense. Yeah, I, I I would agree with you. I think that's the one big question mark that's a little bit of a head-scratcher as you go into this Super Bowl as to why that has happened. Now, certainly when you get into the playoffs and you're playing a guy like me, like Baker Mayfield like and like Jordan Love, it, it's no holds barred. Uh, they're, they're, you're playing, always you're playing a desperate football team in the NFL playoffs. They're not going to leave anything in the bag. They're pulling everything out. Even their attitudes have, are different about the way they play, each individual guy. Everybody's going for it, and I think they ran into a couple of teams that were going for it. No question about it. Um, you certainly know that of Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. They were they were you know full sail, man. They were going for it on everything. And if you can stand that, if you can withstand those onslaughts and kind of stay close, you give once again you give yourself a chance to win that game. But um, know this too: when they're in a game in this Super Bowl against Andy Reid and the Chiefs. The Chiefs and Mahomes and McKelsey, they'll play in a desperate mindset. They'll play in a in an all or nothing kind of mindset. You don't see them have to do that all the time because of the, you know, because of the high powered offense we've seen from the Chiefs in the past. But you get them into an all or nothing game like this, and I think that's one of the reasons the Chiefs have kind of turned it on offensively here in these playoffs. They, like I said, they they didn't do too much offensively uh, during the regular season, but in these playoffs. They seem to have gone to the well time and again and come up with a full bucket. Those guys really answered the call. So that's what the Niners' defense is going to have to face. This Chiefs' offense is going to be going, you know, going for it in every situation. Uh, they're going to be taking some risks. And when you get players the caliber of Kelsey and Mahomes and Rice and and uh, Pacheco, you better be ready for it. And I think the biggest thing is the Niners have to answer that attitude with one of their own. They've got to they've got to absolutely stomp on the gas in every situation and go for it themselves. They are talented enough. They're they are well coached enough to to come through in those situations. I think that's the mindset they're going to have to have in this game. All right, he is Steve Tasker, former Buffalo Bills wide receiver, has done a fantastic job uh, since he's retired. Obviously, you've seen him in, in CBS back in the day, and now with the Buffalo Bills uh, Network. T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo here in Las Vegas, Super Bowl 58. Steve, question I have for you is when Buffalo played Kansas City, we know about all the injuries that Buffalo had coming into that game, you know, in the short week for them where Kansas City had the benefit of the extra day. You guys had so much success, and that's the one weak link on this Kansas City defense where you ran the football for 182 yards, 30, 39 carries, and then the following week, for whatever reason, John Harbaugh decides not to run the football. When you were watching that game after watching the game that you covered, were you scratching your head as much as I was? And I don't have much hair on, on my head, let me tell you. Uh, it, it, that baffled me. Yeah, and I'll say this too. It, it, the Bills were in a spot with, because of the defensive injuries they had, they knew that it, it would really help them if they could control the clock, limit the possessions, and not give Mahomes and Kelsey, those guys, that many shots at taking on the defense. And certainly they 
crushed it in the time of possession, 38, 39 minutes of time of possession. Um, but like I said, that game got down to the second half of the fourth quarter. The Bills had really done a nice job up to that point. And Mahomes and Kelsey found a way to make the plays that they needed. Even so, the Bills with the football, the wind at their back in that fourth quarter had a chance to go down. And, you know, they had a shot at the touchdown pass. And, and Allen, you got to think, we've, we've seen him make that throw dozens of times down the middle. He got bumped just as he released it, and it ends up short, incomplete. They end up trying the long field goal. Those stretches at the end of the games are where you're going to win or lose them, particularly in, in, in this conference with the Chiefs and the Bills and the Ravens. You're going to lose them there. But I think you're right. The game plan that the Bills used against the Chiefs was spot on. Uh, they ran it when they wanted to, limited possessions. They limited Pat Mahomes. And, and that's saying something against that Chiefs defense. They were really good, and they still are. And the Bills controlled that game offensively. But then at the end, when they really needed to control a little further, the Chiefs, the Chiefs wouldn't let them do it. And the Bills faltered offensively right at the end, couldn't make those plays at the end to get them into position either to score the touchdown or get, kick an easier field goal in the swirling win. That's the way these games come down. That's the way if you're going to beat the Bills and if you're going to beat the Chiefs, it's going to come down to the end, and it's going to come down to making plays at the end and taking advantage of every opportunity because you're never going to score enough points to run off and leave these guys. They're going to keep it close. And, you know, the second half of the fourth quarter, you could, you could boil the entire game down to those few minutes and how those play out. What is the key matchup for you that you're going to be looking at here? And what, what could be – the game changer or what swings a pendulum here matchup wise i'm really interested to see the chiefs defend brock purdy um i got a lot of love and respect for brock and i even more so for kyle shanahan and what he's able to do with his offense kyle shanahan has had a really good team his entire tenure there in san francisco and i think he's a large reason why he's done it with a ton of different quarterbacks a lot of quarterbacks who a lot of people think can't play. And now he's doing it with Brock Purdy, who can play. Um, I think Brock Purdy and the Niners offense and Kyle Shanahan is a really intriguing story for the Super Bowl and how that plays out, you know, with all the, the skeletons that Kyle Shanahan carries with him about game management and leads lost in the playoff and all of that stuff. I'm really interested to see the fourth quarter of this game with the ball in the 49ers' hands. Who are you picking, my friend? Listen, I've been in the AFC for a long time. I've seen <laughs> Pat Mahomes play a lot. I'm not picking against them, man. Those guys, uh, they're just, they're really hard to beat. Um, you don't run off and leave those guys. And, and, you know, I've seen the Niners get thumped by Baltimore in their own building, which was startling to me. Yeah. Uh, so I and I I have not seen anybody do that to the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are too tough to beat. It, do, if there is a weakness with the Chiefs, what is it, Steve? I think if, I think one of the things that the Chiefs you can get to them on is certainly you can run the ball on them. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Jones is an outstanding defensive tackle but he likes to rush the passer. And those big guys who rush the passer don't like to take on blocks and try and bear up and stop the run. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm the Niners, I beat them up hard for three and a half quarters at least. I, I run the ball right at them. I, trust my, I concentrate a lot on red zone offense. When you get down there close, score a touchdown. 
Um, I think that's how you do it. If you're going to beat the Chiefs, you've got to you've got to hang on to the ball, get first down after first down, and get touchdowns. Um, certainly, uh, Mahomes and Kelsey are going to have some success. But I think if I think if you bully that 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 defense of the Chiefs up front um, and just take let their secondary stand back there and cover air, uh, I think you got a chance maybe. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, that's exactly what the Buffalo Bills did. They went to the ground and pounded them, and Baltimore did not do. And that, that's it. I mean, that's it. I think we're all saying, you know, the same thing here. And you know, you know, Kelsey with the the eleven targets and the eleven catches and everything. I mean, is there a way? I mean, what's the best way that? that and the, do the Niners have the personnel to slow down Kelsey? Yeah, I, I think they do. I think if you, it, it depends. Yes, they can shut down Kelsey, but the question is, how much do they have to spend doing it? How many guys are going to take to do it? And how many guys on any given rep is it going to take to take him out of any given play where they might be going to him? And you got to guess right as well. I mean, you can take him out of the play, but if he's not the number one option, you're going to you're going to waste it anyway. So yes, you can take Kelsey out of the game. But you got to pick your spots, and, and it's got to be the right spots. And if you miss on that, you're going to be guarding somebody else at the wrong moment. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I think Kelsey's a key to this. He might get his, but if you can limit him in just in those moments, not let him be the guy that gets the crucial third and long conversion, you know? Take him away on the crucial downs. Then you got to. I think that's going to help you a lot. Great stuff, Steve. Continue the great work there in Buffalo, and good luck with the Bills going forward. Appreciate you, my man. And hopefully, we'll talk to you soon. You bet, guys. Thanks for having me. There he is, Steve Tasker, the former wide receiver, special teams phenomenon, all pro with the Buffalo Bills back in the day, and then uh, sideline reporter worked uh, as an analyst as well with. Uh, the NFL and CBS for all of those years, and now they're uh, still in Buffalo um, doing radio with uh, the Bills Radio Network. Great stuff there. All right, we continue on. One hour down, one to go here on this thunderous Thursday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Marco D'Angelo with me as we continue rolling on, previewing Super Bowl 58. Hopefully this gets some winners. When we come back, we'll talk about the betting, the record betting handle, where the money's at, where is it going John Murray's going to join us next. Talk to you on the other side. Blue 80! Blue 80! Blue 80! Omaha! Live. You like that? You like that? In the entertainment capital of the world. Rogers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone. It is caught for the win. Richard Rogers with a walk-off it's the T.C. Martin Show. Play action. Awesome time. Deep shot for Parker. Touchdown! It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Oh, my goodness. The legend just goes on. The doctor is now in. How you like me now? Dab in the middle of all the hype here. Super Bowl 58. TC Martin, Marco D'Angelo here. Hour number two on the horizon as uh, we continue on here. Getting ready for Super Bowl 58 right around the corner. Yes, the excitement here 
in Las Vegas. All right, continuing on here, we got some more NFL news that we're going to talk about. Breaking news that uh, happened uh, today, and also we got some WNBA news for Aces fans as well too. Aces getting uh, very active for in the re-signing and the free agent process. We'll dive into that here in hour number two as well. All right, and also. You know, looking forward to being at the game, but our good friend Scott Frost is going to join us a little bit later on, and at Slice of Vegas, our, our partners over there are going to have a big party as well, too. So we'll talk to him a little bit later on in this hour. But uh, right now, joining us here, our good friend John Murray, the executive director of the world-famous Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas. John, what's going on, my friend? Oh, not too much. Slow week around here, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not a ton to do. Yeah. How are you guys doing? All right. You've enjoyed the, the, the chaos and the traffic and everything? Yeah, that think, uh, the LIV has been a lot of fun. Yeah. I've been yeah. watching the, watching a lot of that today. That looks pretty cool. And you're going to be LIV tomorrow, yeah. huh? I'm going to go over yeah. there tomorrow during the day. Yeah, mm-hmm. looks pretty cool. Looks pretty cool. They did a great job. Yeah, and you know we've all played that course a bunch of times, so it's pretty cool just to see like to see the professionals and like oh, I've hit that shot before. Well, yeah, not like I mean not coming out of that sand <laughs> coming out of <laughs> sand trap that I I've saw hit there and from and, the yeah. spot he's hitting from <laughs> before. I haven't hit that shot before. <laughs> Oh, it's pretty cool. Look, the course looks great. Yeah. All right, my friend. Let's talk about this Super Bowl. It, it just seems like, you know, every year at this time, we talk about okay, it's gonna, we're gonna have a record handle. It's gonna surpass the year before, the year before, and we've, you know, seen that trend. Uh, of course, you know, gaming is legalized in so many states now. It's just not here in Nevada, but having the Super Bowl here and then having these two teams. With Kansas City and San Francisco, not just passionate fan bases who travel well, but these are public betting teams, as as we've seen and we've talked about. And I've been saying all week, the last couple of weeks, I'm so glad that we have these two teams in the Super Bowl here in Vegas. I would not want to see a wild card team, a team like Jacksonville or even the Lions. I know there's that love about the Browns, Lions, all that kind of stuff, but man... To see the Chiefs and the Niners and arguably two of the best teams in football go at it, I mean, the line says that. To me, it just has all of the makings of not only a great Super Bowl on the field, a great experience for fans, but from a bookmaking perspective, it just has to be the best situation for you guys. Well, we always like when the game's close to pick them. That's good for business, you know. And, and like the first time these teams played in the Super Bowl is basically a pick 'em. Mm-hmm. This one's basically a pick 'em. The Chiefs are the Chiefs are the Patriots now. They're a team that had a, a very passionate local fan base, but not a national fan base. That has now become a national fan base because they're in the Super Bowl every year. And Mahomes is the new Brady. So of course, anytime they're in the Super Bowl, it's good for business. And then the Forty ers are great for business. Proximity to Las Vegas, they have a national fan base. There'll be a lot of Niners fans here. It's a very good Super Bowl for us. With what you're just saying, with them being the team, John Kansas City, you guys are the only house in town right now currently posting a two and a half. Right. Yeah, we, we all of our all of our sharp players, not all, but I mean, our sharper bets have all been on San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So they 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 laid San Francisco minus one. And then we went to one and a half, and one of our best guys laid one and a half. We went to two. There was no action there. We figure, let's try two and a half. Money's starting to come back on the Chiefs, but not as much as I thought there would. So now what can you do next? You can baby the money line up, see if people play you there. 
uh, we're just we're easing into it because you still have so much time. You know, it feels like we're deep into this process, but not really. I mean, yeah. at least eighty percent of the money hasn't been bet yet. Most people aren't even in town yet. Saturday, Sunday, yeah, so yeah we'll, it's going to we'll, hit hard. We're still easing yeah. into it, but we are very, we're we're purposefully staying to the high side of the market. To your point, Mark, we mm. we want to be on the high side because we've just seen a lot of sharp money on San Francisco. Mm. Look, we saw sharp money on Baltimore. That's why I tried explaining this to, to your friend. I did a show with Kelly, your friend, Kelly in Vegas yesterday. Yeah, all, the, all, all of our sharp bets are on San Francisco. And San Francisco has been considered better than Kansas City all year. And the public is on Kansas City. Yes, yes, yes. Everything I just said was true about the AFC Championship game. And the Ravens lost, right? So it doesn't mean the Niners are going to win on Sunday. But I think you have to factor in this, too. And I know this is what, you know, betters are looking at, too. I mean, you have that conventional wisdom. Like you said, the Niners have been the best team all season long, the regular season. However, let's put these – there's three asterisks for me up here. and Help me out here. Okay, you make the Niners the favorite, which some people will scratch their head and they're going, okay, why? Well, for the reasons that you said. But on the flip side, when the Niners played their biggest game of the year on their home field – Baltimore, their toughest opponent, they got blasted. They got blasted, and Brock Purdy was downright awful. Four interceptions, he was exposed. Then you come to the first round in in the NFC, and they're playing the seventh seed, the Packers. Purdy wasn't good. The defense gives up nearly 450 yards. They were life and death to win. Make the argument probably they shouldn't have won. And then you go to Detroit, comes in. Again, not a, a high seed. And then Detroit runs up and down the field against them. Goff looks better than Purdy. McCaffrey saves the day at the end. Purdy was okay at the end, but the bottom line is it's Mahomes. It's versus Purdy. And then Niners have not looked good, and Detroit had 450 yards of offense. So I can see the argument for, hey, you know, the Chiefs should be the bet or the Chiefs should be the favorite in this game because San Francisco has not been impressive in those three games that we mentioned, and those are the three most important games of the year. Well, San Francisco is very lucky to be here. They should, have, they should have lost to Green Bay. They lost to Detroit, or they beat Detroit because Detroit kept dropping passes they should have caught. And, and a guy by the name of Dan Campbell. Well, I, see, I don't agree with that. Oh, come on. I think <laughs> come I, on. I, I think it's ridiculous. People people are like, oh, you got to take the points. That was a 48-yard field goal. That's just a given that he's going to make a 48-yard field goal in that stadium? One, I don't once from that at all. Once from 45, once from 48, and yeah, well, yeah, no, yeah, you're supposed to. Badgley missed one field goal prior to that. One field goal this year. Green Bay missed one. Tyler Bass missed one. Well, Green Bay's got an awful field goal kicker. The, 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 only, the, the worst in football. The only mistake I saw Dan Campbell make was kicking the field goal before halftime. I thought that was a mistake. <laughs> I, I, did, I don't really. And then on the, the other third or fourth down you're talking about, Goff makes a great throw and it goes off the receiver's hands. It, it does. That's, that's Dan Campbell's fault? Well, you, you got a chance to be up 17 three possessions with 22 minutes to go. All yes. The, all the Lions had to do was catch the ball, and we'd be talking about a Lions-Chiefs Super Bowl right now, in my opinion. And they'll throw a Jameer Gibbs fumble in there, and then you yeah. got the, the nerves come up in the fourth quarter. This team has had problems scoring. Look at the Rams. They couldn't score in the second half. Tampa Bay, they couldn't score in the second half. The Jared, Lions. Jared Goff could not have played a better game on Sunday. I agree. And, or I two Sundays ago. Yeah. And the bottom line is that the Niners are lucky to be here, but – you know, Kansas City, they didn't score a point in the second half. You want to talk about a team choking, the Baltimore Ravens choked. Yes. They they, yes. Had, they had a terrible offensive game plan. For whatever reason, Lamar Jackson has escaped 
most criticism. I've never yeah. seen a two-time MVP get criticized this little after losing a game like that. Thank you. I mean, the, the, I'm, I think I'm the only one that's, uh, that's ripping Oh, he him. was horrible. I mean, uh, he, was he didn't want to. He's a two-time he, league it, MVP. Huh. He loses the conference championship game at home. And, you, I mean, yeah, there was a couple things said about it, but very little. You're I can right. remember when Peyton Manning would just get skewered every time yeah. he lost a game. And a lot of those losses were his fault. There were but, times but that he could have taken off. He didn't oh, take off. He was, like you said yesterday, it was like he wanted to prove that he could be a pocket passer. Right. Okay, and this was the wrong time. Picked to, a hell of a time to do it. Yeah. And he, then he starts to run. It's like running gingerly. You see yeah, that? Like, oh, know. should I go down? Should I go down? The flip side, Purdy's tucking and going, man. Kansas City, uh, yes, you're right about San Francisco, but I could say the same thing about Kansas City. Hmm. They had some plays go their way against Buffalo including the missed field goal, like a 40-yard field goal. Although I think Kansas City would have scored there anyway. I don't even think it matters. But the bottom line is they could have easily lost that game. The Baltimore game, Zay Flowers fumbles. Baltimore has a terrible game plan. Lamar Jackson plays awful. Kansas City, their defense has been great. But their offense hasn't been that super. Certainly they weren't against Baltimore. So these two teams met. In 2020, remember that Super Bowl? Sure. Okay. It seems like you know, the Chiefs were, were down by 10 in that game. Heck, Chiefs were 10, down by 10 against the Eagles last year. Let's, let's do a little comparison here from the 2020 Super Bowl to the 2024 season here. And, and you look at this, I think this is pretty ironic, okay? Let's see. So Chiefs 49ers play in that Super Bowl. That year, Lamar Jackson wins the MVP. Lamar Jackson wins the favorite to win the MVP this year, right? All right. Ravens win the NFC North. 2024, Ravens win the NFC North. Texas win the NFC South with 10 wins. Guess what happened this year? Texas win 10 wins, right? Chiefs win the AFC West. Same thing this year. That happens every year. Right, yeah. Oh, here's one. Chargers last in the AFC West. Okay, well, that happens a lot. That's happened again this year. Washington last in the NFC East with 13 losses. This year? Washington last. 13 losses. That's cheating. (laughs) They're always last. Panthers last in the NFC South. Same. 49ers win the NFC West. Cardinals last in the NFC West. Chiefs are the home team. Chiefs are the home team. Stop, stop me when there's something that is different here. Well, I'll, right. tell, you, I'll tell you the big difference. Niners, number one seed. Here's the difference I see, Marco. <laughs> At this time, Kansas City had Mahomes on a rookie deal. <laughs> and they had a much better roster around Mahomes. The 49ers now, they're the team playing on the quarterback with the rookie deal. <laughs> San Francisco has a much better roster than Kansas City does. Wow. That doesn't mean they're going to win. San Francisco dominated that Super Bowl oh, for, for three quarters of, of that game. And the Niners are a better team now than they were then. Absolutely. That was Nick Bosa's rookie year. Debo was a rookie. They didn't have Christian McCaffrey. I would argue that Brock Purdy is absolutely better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Let me ask John this one. Do you remember what the Chiefs' preseason odds were in 2020 to win the Super Bowl? Plus 600. This year? Preseason? Plus 600. Uh, I, <laughs> there's, like, there's like 20 of these things. I'm not kidding here. 49ers beat the Packers in the playoffs. I, I well, still, 49ers uh, beat the Packers in the playoffs. These are, very, these are very different teams, though. You know, Are they really? Oh, absolutely. Are they? Kansas City. Jimmy Garoppolo and, and Brock Purdy. Is there a difference there? Brock Purdy is much better than Jimmy Garoppolo. My only concern. Brock, Brock Purdy led 
Brock Purdy did what Lamar Jackson mm. could not do. He did it against Green Bay, and he did it against Detroit. He calmly took them down the field mm. and scored a touchdown. Lamar Jackson's throwing the ball into quadruple coverage. Well, I guess an idiot. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I think Brock Purdy's much better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I said to TC earlier in the week, the flashback I have, and the only thing that's keeping me, because I'm on San Francisco as well, but I keep having flashbacks to the Miami-San Francisco Super Bowl. Way back when, that was the biggest Super Bowl I ever bet personally. Mm-hmm. I went against the Dolphins. Dan Marino, second-year quarterback in the Super Bowl. Back then, it was different, though. Quarterbacks, we didn't put them to the fire right away. You know, Now it's different. You draft a quarterback. You use a high draft pick because of the contracts. you got to get you got to get all three years out of them before you you got to make a decision. So they're better prepared. But I just what happens if he gets that deer caught in headline? You know, well, it wouldn't surprise me. And we said at the start of the show, the Chiefs are the new Patriots. Yeah. What was the consistent theme with the Patriots? Everything would always go their way. Everything would go there. Every time they needed a play on offense or defense, the breaks would always go their way. I think that's true of Kansas City last year. You know, Kansas City should have lost to the Bengals in the AFC Championship game last year, but they didn't. And then they got a bunch of breaks in the Super Bowl. They beat the Eagles. They were very lucky the Bills lost that game. Uh, I'd be afraid. My point is I'd be nervous throwing a bunch of money against the Chiefs because everything goes their way, and they do have the best player in the game, without a doubt, is Patrick Mahomes. But isn't general consensus is that you play the better quarterback? For the most part, in every matchup, especially the big ones. They always do, but it's, you also hear de- defense wins championships. Well, and there's another edge well, to Kansas City. Kansas City, I think. That's Kansas yeah. City's edge. They're number one. Yeah. And San Francisco has gotten shredded. And that's the, the head scratcher. I do agree with that. That is the head scratcher. How have they gotten shredded against Green Bay and Detroit? Well, that's exactly why. That's exactly why I like Dan Campbell being so aggressive. Mm-hmm. The Niners' defense was terrible uh, in that game. Uh, I thought he was doing the right thing by pushing on. Put his receivers dropped the ball. That's why he lost the game. The the, the Niners' defense. They had guys wide open all over the place. Mm-hmm. And you know, Andy Reid has been or, and the Chiefs have been watching that for the last two weeks. They're going to have a good game plan on Sunday. Yeah, there's no doubt. John Murray joins us, the executive director of the Superbook, the Westgate Las Vegas. Okay, so record handle, no question, right? Th- wouldn't you think that numbers just get obliterated because of everything we talked about, the matchup being here in Vegas? What, what, do, what do you think? The only thing that would hold it back is there's sports betting legalized in more states now than ever before. Mm-hmm. So there's just fewer people that have to come to Las Vegas to bet on the Super Bowl legally. I'm aware that people were always betting in the But if States. we're talking about the Nevada record, right? Oh, I think Nevada Nevada will, will I think, break the record. Mm-hmm. Good matchup, two premium teams, the game is here. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see any way we don't break the state record. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's talk a little bit about um, you know where you see this line moving, if all, the next couple days. What do you think it ends up at kickoff? Well, I think it's very likely that we'll see Kansas City money come in here in the next three days, mm-hmm. and that we'll probably move more towards the market number, probably be more like two, mm-hmm. one and a half, two. That was the consensus in our room when we when we first talked about this. It was two or two and a half for the most part. There were a couple of threes, but I always thought that seemed a little too high. Mm-hmm. I, I think if you saw three, people would bet Kansas City really fast. Mm-hmm. Props, always a big thing here. 
Uh, talk a little bit about the the prop menu that you're that you have up here, and and especially like the cross sports props. Yeah, we, we did we did fewer of the cross sport ones this year than we uh, than we have in the past. We still did a few. We did some with Caitlin Clark. She's a big draw because you know we can't do Taylor Swift. <laughs> what times have you guys gotten that question? Yeah. Unbelievable. Every radio show that I, I've done. I did a I, I did a show today that was not a not a sports station, and I knew what was going to happen. And I said before we even started the show, I was like, we don't have Taylor Swift, we don't have anthem we don't have right. you know because gaming won't let us right. we would do anything that people, yeah, people bet on yeah, yeah. and the guy asked me like Gatorade color anthem and I was finally like well you know again we don't have that and the guy was like well thanks a lot for coming on the show just cut the interview off is, is <laughs> I was so, gonna say, did, did I you? Get, like, I told you that I can't, we don't have any of that stuff. You didn't give the guy the business a little bit? No, yeah. no. I mean, he's he did, he's not a sports guy. Yeah. Uh, we we did do scoregami this year. <laughs> uh, scoregami twenty to one for there to be a scoregami in this game. We got an octopus. We got uh, Super Bowl squares. You can bet that here. We got more stuff than we've ever had. So I thought our I thought our team did a really good job, but. But for the most part, you guys know where the money comes in. MVP, yep, yep. player to score the first touchdown. Everybody likes to bet that there will be a two-point conversion now. That one's super popular. Safety, overtime. Yeah. All the all the, the standard ones that the people always love to bet. Any shocking thing, uh, like uh, amount of money come in that would raise your eyebrows a little bit? Like if it, you know, obviously you're going to get the safety. You're going to get all those things that you talked about. Yeah. but. Did anything come across your window like, hmm, that's pretty interesting. We got a real heavy bet on this. We took a big bet on Mahomes to score two-plus touchdowns at, I think, 40-1. to And when I saw the bet, I remember thinking to myself, I don't like that position for us. Because that wouldn't shock me. Mahomes, one thing we've seen with him is he's more willing to run in these types of games. (laughs) Patrick Mahomes is well aware of the stakes of this game. He's probably not going to run and take a hit in week three against the, the Raiders, no offense, local fans. <laughs> Let's be honest. But yeah. in the Super Bowl, he's going to go for it. And it wouldn't shock me if he uh, – that would be very unfortunate. But it wouldn't shock me if he scored a touchdown or two. That's pretty juicy at 40-1. to 1. It's a little bit much. Yeah. A little much. Yeah. I do think uh, – now, having said that, Mahomes is not Lamar Jackson. He is going to look to throw first, yeah. and it's very unlikely the guy's going to end up in the end zone twice. Yeah. I just think in this type of game, yeah. it, it, it suits him more. You know how you always remember bad beats? My bad beat prop bet oh, was the first San Francisco-KC <laughs> matchup. 2020, man. I had Ooh, Patrick backwards. Mahomes. Yeah, he scored the first touchdown, right? No, I had him over rushing yards. He didn't? Oh, my God. Okay. Wait, Mahomes didn't score the first touchdown? Uh, I feel like we got crushed on that. You could have, but one of my bigger props was I took the over on the rushing yards with Mahomes, and I had it. Oh, I know. I had it. He went over it. (laughs) Until until victory formation, and there was a difference in the clock that they couldn't just kneel, took the ball and went back a few steps each time that they kneeled to to get the extra seconds in there to run the clock out. And those yards that then are recorded as losses sure. took it back down to lose the. <laughs> is that why you never like Neil Diamond? Is that why? It's got to be something to do with Niners Super Bowls because when the Niners played the Ravens in the Super Bowl eleven years ago, we got killed when they 
the Ravens took an intentional safety. safety. <laughs> and that, that, that cost the book a lot of money. And they ended up winning the game by three. Yeah. But remember, they took they were pinned at their own goal line. They took an intentional safety. Yeah, that was unfortunate. Yeah, <laughs> that was unfortunate. Oh, I want to know how how's that back room, you know, back there with with you and everybody, you guys huddling up and you're yeah. going over these props. Okay, is John Murray the guy that's going like, wait, wait, I don't know about that. You know, forty to one and Mahomes this and that. No, come on. I mean, how are these sessions uh, no, go down, man? Guy, you know, we have a really good team of the guys that do the props. Yeah. I like to I like to give the thirty thousand feet in the air, you know, like after we lose, yeah. and then like after some mega sharp guy bets it, then I'll be like, oh, that was stupid. Yeah. Did you guys have a that safety in back to back Super Bowls? We Wasn't the first play a, the Seattle Denver game? Yeah. Didn't they, they, they snap, snap it over? All yeah. Over, a yeah. over Manning's head. And actually, there was a safe. The first score of the second New England New York Giants Super Bowl yeah. was a safety. Brady got called for intentional grounding in the end zone. And it was two, nothing, right. two to nothing Giants. Forgot about so that. So we had three and four years. I've actually, in my, my career, I, I've seen four safeties. There was a safety in the Steeler Cardinal Super Bowl, too. So my, in my career, which has only been like 15 or 16 Super Bowls, I've seen four, which is kind of a lot. And that's a popular, with yeah. the public, it's popular. Oh, to very play popular. But you also get, there's a lot of sharps or advantage players that I know that will lay that big number because they say it should be way higher. It should the more, be. You know, well, you and, just, it, and it'll do that. But you lose three and four years, it takes a long time to make those up when you're laying seven, eight, nine to one yeah. uh, on oh, big it's, bets. It's tough. and Yeah, and the, the players, we don't see that as much as we used to. Hmm. Uh, you get you get a little bit of that, especially at the end. If a book has too much liability, they might move it to some number where the the value is just too good. But we don't we don't get that as much as we used to. We we don't want we don't want there to be a safety on Sunday. No, <laughs> that would not be good. or overtime. Our uh, cracked research no. staff no. Uh, has uh, just uh, uh, alerted us that uh, you know there has never been a seven yard touchdown run in the history of the Super Bowl. Never. Seven yard touchdown because you have different props where, you know, yardage and you know, receiving touchdown from you know number of yards for a rushing touchdown. Never had seven before. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, one thing we we did more index props this year where you can bet on like the exact final score, both teams' final scores. People like stuff like that. People like stuff that's easy and simple to understand. Our, our guys did a good job. It, it's fun when we grade them all. Because then you're like, oh, we lost. Oh, we won on that one. Oh, we lost on that one. <laughs> that that can be kind of hectic. How much do you guys get hit on, like, say, the alternate lines? Oh, uh, you get you get more of that on a game like this yeah. than you do the rest of the season. Chiefs minus seven. Yeah. And my man Big Al likes that one. Normally, the only people betting those alternate spreads are usually wise guys. Um, I'm talking about Big Al's a wise guy. Races. There you go. But, no, no, in the Super Bowl, you get a lot of that. You yeah. get alternate totals, alternate spreads. People looking for big payouts. Right. You know, the public is always looking for those big payouts. Plus three fifty, Marco. Chiefs minus seven. Marco's on the other side. <laughs> I, it would it, look. It wouldn't surprise me. Like I said, I mean that. No, I'm seeing. Nothing, I'm know. seeing our sharp groups on the Niners, and I know the public is on Kansas City, and I understand why. Hmm. But it's it, it, this is you're talking about one game. Anything could happen. Purdy could have a bad turnover in the first quarter. And, Give the Chiefs a short field. All of a sudden, it's ten to nothing, and then all hell breaks loose. That's what happened to the Ravens. Mm-hmm. They fell behind early, and they handled it terribly. Yeah. They abandoned the run. 
Lamar Jackson was awful. How will the Niners respond if that happens? They responded well against Green Bay and Detroit. Yeah. They really did, especially against Green Bay. I, I thought they were going to lose the Green Bay game. But again, you got the youngest team in the NFL in the Packers. All right, and neither defense is good for the Packers or the Lions. And now you're asking Brock Purdy to do this in the biggest game of his life against the number one defense. And then you got Patrick Mahomes. So I get the Chiefs' love. I'm trying to get to the Niners. I'm really trying to get to that Niners side. But like you, Marco, it, it, the, the Purdy factor has always bothered me. Love everything else about the Niners. If they come in here and decide to pound the ball with McCaffrey, take Buffalo's mindset and pound the ball, they're going to be in good shape. But they got to stick to that. Unlike what Harbaugh did where, you know, first, for, first play, Gus Edwards, oh, runs in the back of his center. Oh, we're going to quit running, you know. We're we're gonna we're gonna have three rushing attempts. Like, what are you doing? You know, from their running back position. So, I yeah, agree. Not, it, the Ravens blew it. it <laughs> they blew it. They, so I'm with you. I mean, I've been you know, going against the Chiefs. It's hard to go against Mahomes, but you know. And then again, do you factor there? Believe it or not, there is a decent amount of players that were in this Super Bowl from both teams. Yeah. You know, not just one or two. I mean, there. You know, and that's unusual in today's NFL with free agency and and you know teams bouncing teams left and right. But um, you know, yeah, you can play the revenge factor thinking about that. You know, to your point, John, yeah, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo did have a 10-point lead. Is Purdy better than Garoppolo? I mean, Garoppolo more experienced, but I don't know, man. I, it's, it's uh, you know, it's crazy. We talk about Kansas City, and you talk about New England, Dynasty, so forth. Remember, San Francisco could have won that Super Bowl four years ago. They oh, should have yeah, won They should have won. Yeah. They should have been in the Super Bowl last year. Purdy yeah. doesn't get hurt in the right. NFC Championship game. Sure. Yep. That's a different thing. So yeah. we're actually talking they they could have been in a Super Bowl three of the last no four years too. Yeah. They could, they yeah. were they had a double digit lead against the Rams. Yeah. yeah. There's another one. They were up I'm pretty sure they were up seventeen to seven yeah. in the fourth Correct quarter. Correct Amundo. Against yes. the Rams. So yeah. They, yeah. They, this is a pretty this team is used to being here. So is Kansas City, obviously. Yeah. It's their fourth Super Bowl in five years. Mm. But the Niners have played on a lot of big stages. We'll leave you with this. At the end of the day, it seems like that you. It doesn't really matter. You're not going to really be rooting for a side. I know you guys always. We need the game. Are. It's a good question. Yeah. So we always tell our executives this: What are we really rooting for? We want the game to be boring. You want the game? You need an under. Like, like, yeah. like the, the Rams, you, New England. I'll tell yeah. you guys this: the <laughs> Philadelphia, New England game, which was I think six years ago, we had a phenomenal Super Bowl, Super Bowl position on the Eagles. Phenomenal. And we won a ton on the Eagles in the game, the game itself. We won a peanut that day. We got massacred on props. There, there were like 70-some points in that game. Every, every guy on the field scored a touchdown. <laughs> we can't have a – it doesn't matter to us who wins if the final score is 45-41. to 41. We're not going to do very well because we have more than half of our money on props. But the Rams, New England one, was a, had to be an absolute windfall. It, because was, it was very good. It was scary, though, because we had people betting that there would be no touchdown at like 200 to 1. <laughs> and that game was 3 to 3 in the fourth quarter. Right. Yeah. So that was a little nerve. We did do well in that game. The game we did the best on, though, in the last 10 years was Denver, Carolina. Because Denver, we took a bunch of sharp money on Denver, just like we have with San Francisco this week, and we booked it to need Denver, and we had a great future position on Denver, plus the game was not very exciting. Mm -hmm. We cleaned up on props. The only thing we lost on was MVP. We did very poorly with Von Miller winning MVP. Wow. But we... 
That's that's the game we want. Last defensive guy to win MVP. Von yeah, Miller. and that was the first year that Nevada was allowed to book MVP. Was he forty or fifty to one? Like if I remember, fifty to one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we were gonna we were gonna do awesome on the Niners Chiefs game. I mean, I remember running the simulations. The Niners were up, I think, twenty-one to ten in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. They were. And I was running some simulations of what Niners and under looked like. I always do that. Yeah. I always, I do that throughout the game, and we were we were going to do so good on that mm-hmm. game. And then you know, it is what it is. I appreciate the time, brother. Thanks yeah. for stopping by. Anytime Appreciate it. Us. All right. Uh, John Murray, Executive Director of the Superbook at Westgate Las Vegas. And don't forget, they're a great place to watch the game. If you're not going to the game, all right, hey, go go check it out on the big uh, 4K video wall inside the Superbook. My guy, John Murray and uh, Jay Cornegay, will be joining us uh, tomorrow back at the Westgate. All right. We come back. We're going to talk a little Aces news. More Super Bowl 58 and a whole lot more right here. T.C. March on this Thunderous Thursday. Turn your head and cough. Here's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Back out of here, Thursday edition. Right smack dab in the middle of all the hype here in Las Vegas. Super Bowl 58, the Chiefs and the Niners fans rolling into town here. A lot of red, sea of red, no question about it. Niner red, Chief red, and uh, you know, for the record, remember the Chiefs are the home team. They'll be wearing the red. The Niners will be wearing the white on Sunday. I like to see you. All right, uh, NFL news uh, comes out today. Uh, tonight will be the uh, NFL Honors uh, Awards, and that's always a big night. Uh, that's taking place tonight. So many other uh, great parties just about every night here leading up to it, but. Um, NFL Rookie of the Year announced today, and that is uh, C.J. Stroud. All right. C.J. Stroud is your NFL Rookie of the Year. Now, everything else with uh, MVP and all that will be announced uh, later, you know, tonight here down the road at uh, the NFL Honors. Number two overall pick, last year's draft, C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State, recorded the third most passing yards by a rookie in NFL history. Became the fourth qualifying rookie quarterback in NFL history with a passer rating of 100 or higher. He also led all rookie quarterbacks with 23 touchdown passes. Only had five interceptions. Youngest player all time to lead the league in that superb touchdown-to-interception ratio. I don't see how you can argue with that. I know people were talking about Laporta, the tight end for... For Detroit, there were others that were on that list, but it's got to be C.J. Stroud, right? Absolutely. I, I was saying it, you know, from the midway point of the season that uh, what he was doing uh, was going to get him that. And a lot of times, T.C., when a quarterback will put up big yards, and I'm not a fantasy guy, and when I say this, I know you're a fantasy guy, and this guy used to put up big numbers on his fantasy stats, but he sucked. And the reason he had those numbers is his team was so far behind every game, and he was going against prevent defenses and logging yardage. Blake Bortles. Yes. Okay? Remember the numbers that he would put up? These were legitimate Hmm. yards. These weren't, you know, that Houston was a garbage team and they were losing by 20 every game and he's getting garbage time. No. They won a division where nobody had them... You know, they were either last or next to last in everybody's forecast for where they would finish in the division this year. And he led them. So 
yeah, this is a slam dunk. I, I know the tight end for Detroit had a great year, but to me wasn't even close of a vote. For the record, uh, Blake Bortles was never on Team Funkadelic. We n- <laughs> never drafted him. Never. But he did put up numbers. You have to. You're right. No, he, he did. did. He did. It, but it was all garbage. Yeah. You know. It's like, oh, should I draft that guy? Eh, yeah. Maybe he's a backup. You know, the, the bye week. No, no thanks. Uh, yeah, I'm a guy. I get. I get my quarterback. I get one of the top tier quarterbacks immediately. You're bougie that way. I'm bougie that way. <laughs> Uh, other NFL news, uh, we didn't talk about this uh, uh, yesterday when the news came out, but Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator for the Las Vegas Raiders. So Antonio Pierce goes with Luke Getzky, 17 years experience, who's the offensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears the past two seasons. Uh, Luke Getzky was in Green Bay forever. Uh, seven seasons there with the Packers as a quarterback coach, various position coaches, a quality control guy coming up. Um, so Luke Getzky, not a real sexy name. We're like on the flip side, Ron Rivera looks like he could end up, you know, being, you know, the offensive coordinator here, you know, you know, coming up for one of these, uh, these vacancies here, but no, it's Luke Getzky and the bears love to run the football as we know, especially when Getzky was there. Uh, they were second in the NFL rushing attempts last season. So thoughts about that. Like you said, it's not a sexy name, but it's an experienced name. And I think that that's what we need to see for Antonio Pierce is to have some guys that have been around the league for a while. Because, you know, let's face it, as you said, we like everything that he did come in. He got the team motivated. The team bought into him. The team wanted him. That was a big factor in Mark Davis, you know, making the hire. But he's going to need some people to lean on, I think, you know, in his first full season as a head coach and having guys that have experience where, you know, I agree with you. If he would have had a guy, you know, like Ron Rivera here, you've had a guy that's had, you know, been in football forever and not only been in a coordinator, but has been a head coach. Here's what I like about Ron Rivera. Okay, It was just a bad situation in Washington. The Daniel Snyder thing, the way everything unfolded there. And then trading half their team away. It was just it was just bad. Ron Rivera is a decent coach. Maybe he's not a great head coach, but you bring in Ron Rivera as your offensive coordinator, and isn't that exactly what Mark Davis wanted to do? He's gonna roll with Antonio Pierce. Maybe a little hesitantly, okay. I'm not saying Mark says that. It's not what he says. I mean, I'm just saying that, you know, because again, it's like he hasn't been a head coach before, hasn't even been a coordinator before, but you want to surround him with people that have a lot of experience, a.k.a. Marvin Lewis. You announce Ron Rivera as your offensive coordinator. Here's a guy that's a presence. He can help him. Ron Rivera has a great, uh, calm demeanor. He's not a hothead at all. He's a leader of men. Got, comes from good values. To me, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Now, the flip side, Ron Rivera, more than likely, is going to go to the Cowboys and work with Mike McCarthy. Now, what is that going to look like? Is he just the next man in waiting when McCarthy gets fired? Because he's eventually going to get fired, you know, by Jerry Jones. To me, I don't know if the Raiders and Mark Davis had a conversation with Rivera, but that would be someone that, man, I would I would interview him, and I guarantee you get him in an interview room. He's going to sell you. And it's a perfect situation where he's not going to step on Antonio Pierce's toes, but, man, he could be a great mentor for him. Would have been a good security blanket for, yeah. for, for the situation. I, I agree with you. 
we'll see what uh, what it, what happens with the season. It's going to be an interesting year uh, for them. The big question is going to be: Are you going to stay pat with your quarterback, or are you going to go after a quarterback in the draft, or are you going to look at the free agent market and see to you know bring somebody? In? Are you comfortable? Right. With the quarterback situation right now, going into the new season and a new head coach? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, again, you have a big question mark, and you're going to be looking at quarterbacks via the draft and you know, possibly even free agency. But no, Aiden O'Connell's a fourth-round pick, and again, he didn't do enough to, to wow you. Again, if, if you want to be talking about Super Bowls, if you want to talk about Super Bowls, you better have an elite quarterback. You can't have a marginal quarterback. You have to have an elite quarterback. Um, the Raiders, and uh, as we know, Tom Brady, you know, been working that deal to uh, acquire a percentage of uh, the Raiders' ownership. Uh, now, what we're hearing is that the his the Brady's group is looking to purchase ten percent of the Raiders. And uh, it seems like it will stay at 7%. That's, that's going to be the number. But that still has to be approved by the NFL and everything. But I know Mark Davis wants to have Tom Brady in. I think Mark Davis would be probably fine anywhere from 7 to 10%. But, you know, nothing obviously higher than that. But uh, yeah, I'm Tom, actually surprised it's that, you know, that they're going that high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's how much Mark likes Tom Brady and, and wants him involved in the organization. So... There you go. All right, so there's your uh, latest uh, NFL news. All right, uh, as we know, uh, there's parties everywhere, all right, here in Las Vegas for Super Bowl. Uh, crowds are pounding Las Vegas, and a lot of people cannot afford the tickets, as we talked about earlier, right? I guess, you know, if you're like Mar- not like Marco D'Angelo, who has an extra 7,200 rolling around, you know, for... <laughs> Something in the 400 section at Allegiant Stadium. But a lot of people don't. But there is um, uh, the parties to go to. And, of course, our good friends and sponsors, uh, Slice of Vegas, inside the Mandalay Bay shops, uh, between located between the Luxor and Mandalay Bay. We did great stuff there all year long with the Raiders indoor tailgate party. You don't have to deal with the elements and, and all of that stuff, right? And uh, now you got the Super Bowl extravaganza that is there. All right. The closest property holding a tailgate party is right there at Slice of Vegas. You can walk to the stadium. It's 10 minutes there. And if you're staying at Mandalay Bay, it's fantastic. And that is the place that you want to go. It's $165. It's all you can eat, all you can drink. Raffle prizes galore. Great memorabilia. Stuff like that will be raffled off. And uh, as we know, during the course of the regular season for the Raiders indoor tailgate party, fantastic spot to be. So for the Super Bowl, get your tickets now at SliceOfVegasPizza.com and get your spot locked up for Sunday. Got to do it. Speaking of which, our good friend, the proprietor, who usually is up all night and sleeps all day, the one and only Scott Frost. I believe Uh, Frosty. What's going on? I got it. Hey, I had to get up a little extra early to, to get down here. Um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of traffic, but it's not insurmountable. They're doing a good job mm-hmm. getting people in and out of here. Um, a little surreal. I had to pinch myself. The, uh, the Super Bowl is in our backyard, man. This is, uh, <laughs> this is pretty cool. Um, we're, uh, we hosted, uh, 
Fox Radio this morning for a breakfast. Had Brady Quinn in the house. Oh, yeah. um, good. Do- Donovan McNabb was was uh, mowing down over at the songs uh, <laughs> earlier. Saw Jerry Rice walk by. Yeah. Uh, Dan Marino cruising down the hall. Um, that's something that doesn't happen in your living room when you're watching it on TV. So. <laughs> well, there you go, Frosty. Uh, well, welcome to our world. You know, Radio Row, everything, Manly Bay. Jerry Rice uh, walked right by us yesterday with the, with the trophy. We see that. And I tried to get over to Slice uh, after the show yesterday, but uh, I got bombarded and trampled by all these uh, Chiefs and Niners fans wearing these jerseys. It was like somebody let out, like, the floodgates, or it was like the Kentucky Derby, and, and the bell went off and all of a sudden these people just came storming out of the convention center i don't know if you you were ringing the bell to come to slice or whatever but i got trampled trying to come over there man yeah it was that, that i heard down in the south hall it's crazy right lots of traffic oh yeah 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 but that's okay man that's cool. but yeah aren't we kind of used to this though i mean this is this is the first super bowl i get that but of all the great events that, that we have had now over the last five or six years it just kind of seems natural you know and everybody does a really good job from from the the parking to the police to everything of that nature you know as long as the crowds behaved sure you know the construction is is not ideal but especially you know in the facility there where you're located inside the Mandalay Bay and, and the shops and and you know everything that's going on here kind of like the host hotel it, it's 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 dialed in man yeah yeah, it's going. It's going smooth. What's the coolest thing you've had happen being on Radio Row? The coolest uh, thing? Um, see, I don't know. What's the coolest that's thing? A, that's a setup. It's 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 a crazy setup. I mean, every media outlet from the world is here. Like I, right, I, yeah, right yeah. Here. You know, I was. Uh, you know, I, I've been to, to to plenty of radio rows, especially with the the, the boxing. You know, we have that, but. I was kind of uh, surprised to see, you know, the plethora of stations. With boxing, you'll get, you know, sports stations, but you get a lot of the music stations. They'll come in. But this is the first time that uh, I was sitting across from a religious station. So that was a little, little wow. different for me, you know. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, yeah, what yeah. what angle? But I noticed they didn't have a whole lot of guests. They didn't have, like, the guests <laughs> that we had. So I don't know. But maybe they, they have the almighty guest, which is great. Uh, yeah. So we like, yeah, we like that to be funny. shared. So that was a little bit uh, Seeing Jerry Rice walk by with, with the trophy was was really cool, but you know when you're guys like us, Frosty, you know you don't you don't get uh, you know uh, you know swayed when you oh, see all you, these MVPs yeah. walk by. Yeah, I mean that's our that's our life, brother. I mean, come on. You're, uh, yeah, you you, <laughs> you uh, we're we're so jaded in this world. I I, I still get a little a flutter. I, yeah. I, I my my teenage girl comes out every once in a while when some of these guys walk by. I mean, by. Frosty, you got to remember. Uh, I mean, you got the two time WNBA MVP and two time champion walking by your place almost on a daily basis. You know what I'm saying? That's so true. come that's on, true. you know. And and Asia that's Wilson's true. on the View today. She's promoting her book. I mean, looking fantastic. She's there with Whippy Goldberg. And then, uh, you know, so uh, Ace is getting, and, and uh, more breaking news, Numb Chuck, more breaking news today that uh, Asia will be a coach in the NBA All-Star Game Celebrity Game, which will be taking place next weekend in Indianapolis. So, uh, yeah, she'll be coaching with Stephen A. Smith. Uh, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that, but, uh, yeah, she'll be coaching the Celebrity Game. There you go. Our girl, Scotty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. I love it. 
All right. Love it. And, and while uh, that's Frosty we got... on the line, hold on. Let's get more breaking news, okay? Let's break it down. We're going to talk aces here. Proud partners with us, of course, Slice of Vegas and my man Scott Frost. The aces re-signed Candace Parker. CP's yeah. back. She started the first 18 games with the aces in her first year with the aces last year, then unfortunately injured that foot in that game in Dallas. She missed the rest of the season. But uh, Candace Parker is back with the aces that is good news. Aces also, get ready for this, Scotty. I know you like this. Resigned our girl, Sydney Colson. She's back. All right? And then free, free agency-wise, they made a couple of signings uh, yesterday and today. Megan Gustafson from the Phoenix Mercury, she is signed with the Aces. And then Bria Hartley uh, signed a, ca- a training camp contract with the Aces. She was drafted by Washington, Washington and uh, actually Seattle going back into 2014 as the seventh overall pick. She spent time with uh, the Mystics, the Liberty, and the Phoenix Mercury. She probably had her best years with the, with Mercury. And now, uh, yeah, so uh, Aces have, have got the roster pretty much signed, sealed, delivered, and a majority of uh, the roster is back. So can you same. say back-to-back-to-back, I mean, back back Scotty? Back-to-back-to-back. Yeah, to back. I, think, I think they're going to do it. I think the triple peat is not out of the question. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, just like the Knights did, they, they held that core together. And, you know, if the Knights can get healthy, I don't I don't think they're going to see any any issue with it. I think they're competitors, man. I think they got a, a, a whole other gear. The Aces have another gear when they're all together and they're all healthy. The Knights have another gear when they're all together and they're all healthy. Um, this is going to be title town, man. It's going to be yep. title town. I love it. And and it, it just, it, that doesn't hurt having Vegas be uh, home to world multiple world champions. That's I mean, I grew up in this great state, and if you said back in 1976, hey Scott, you know we're going to be hosting the Super Bowl in 2024, <laughs> I would have looked at you sideways, right? Like, right. like there's no way I would have believed that. Absolutely no way. Well, listen, Scott, you know, the way you lived life in 1976, if someone said, hey, Scott Frost, you're going to be around 2024, you might have said, you're you're crazy, right? (laughs) Yeah. Taking bites out of diving boards and uh, headers off motorcycles. Yeah, that's, uh, they probably would have been, probably been, would have been dubious about that. Scott wanted to be Evil Knievel when he was younger. That's what he wanted to be. I was. I was, man. I was, uh, Jumping trash cans with the uh, homemade ramp, you know. Uh, I had the gold speckled helmet with uh, no visor. None of that. None of that fancy equipment they had. We were, we were uh, risking life and limb uh, jumping. We, we used to line each other up and jump over each other. I mean, that was. Uh, God, I love the seventies and eighties. We didn't have all these rules. Or, we were we were climbing all over the the pine. My, my parents had the the, the the family truckster, right? The Grand Safari with the uh, oh yeah, fake, uh, the fake wood, and it, it seated thirteen comfortably mm-hmm. with the uh, with the seat in the back, right on top of the gas tank, facing out the back window. You remember that? that of course. Numchuck, were you there? Were you around for those? Did you ever get to? Did you ever get to sit in the back seat? Hey, listen, I don't think Numchuck's that old. You know? Yeah. No. He's, he's not. Yeah. Marco knows though. Great. Mar- Marco was there. That was great. There it is. Hey Scott, whenever TC was running down all those important signings, I didn't hear the most important one. I got to get confirmation. <laughs> Missed twice. Yeah. Get a slice. Are we back? Ooh. Oh, it's back. It's back. Back and better than ever. Oh, <laughs> oh back and better than ever. 
so we uh, we've got uh, we had this happen last year where someone missed three. So uh, there's missed thrice get a slice uh, that'll be out there, and then uh, we've got we've got some things up our sleeves for the. Uh, for uh, the activation, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm not going to reveal it now. If we get closer to uh, closer to the basketball season, we'll uh, we'll unveil uh, what we're doing. But uh, this is a phenomenon. We we have created missed twice. You're gonna you have uh, started to see more and more major college programs copying the missed twice. You're starting to see uh, uh, professional sports where they're doing missed twice. Uh, it's it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be cool. I think uh, it's fun to be the flashpoint and the uh, genesis of a national promotion, right? That's that's really, really cool. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk about what's going down Sunday. We know Legion Stadium uh, is happening. Scott, talk about Slice of Vegas and the big game tailgate party. Let's hear the spread. Let's hear, let's, let's hear the celebs uh, that you got coming by, man. Where you uh do you like you like shrimp cocktail? Uh not my genre, but that's okay. But for the for the sake uh, of, like, of this like I love you that. Like meatballs? Yeah, you I like love meatballs. meatballs. Love meatballs. Pretzel bites. Pretzel bites. Absolutely. Chicken tenders. Uh, please. All right. More. Yes. Yeah, you, you like hot dogs? Sign me up. Sliders? Of course. Fries, potato skins? Bring it on. Hey, if they're fresh cut. I want some fresh cut fries. Yes. Tater tots. You like stromboli? I love stromboli. Give me the pepperoni and the stromboli. Yeah, I got, I got, we got stromboli. We got, we got wings. We got mozzarella sticks. We have 250 seats. We have 21 televisions. You, you can sit on your head underneath the table and still see a television. (laughs) We got, which, which, which I think Numchuck probably would if he was here. He would. Um, Yeah, we got, if, we got big 250 word, seats, yeah. mm-hmm. 250 seats. Look, you can sit at home with your bud and watch the game, but it's Vegas. It's in your backyard. It's a once-in-a-lifetime. Uh, there, are, there are so many celebrities in this building alone. Just the people watching after the game is going to be amazing, but being in this atmosphere, close to the game, all you can eat, Drink your face off. Eat your face off. Cheer with your 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 friends. Make make new friends. Make new friends. You, I bet I bet you someone meets their future wife or husband at this event. I oh. wouldn't doubt it. Wait, wait. Now People we're talking about the here. prop bet. The prop bet. If uh, Travis Kelsey proposes to Taylor Swift on the field of Legion Stadium, we could have a prop bet on the board that uh, there's a proposal at Slice of Vegas. Yeah, it could happen. I, we'll keep an eye on that. That's a, what, what would you put on that? 120 to 1? 120 to 1. 120 are, are, to 1. Are you willing to book that, though? I'll, I will book it. Wow. We'll book wow. It. wow. I'll book it. Max, Max bet. Marco. Max bet. Nutchuck. Uh, these guys are married. That's no good. <laughs> Max bet five bucks. That's good. Yo, baby. Yo, baby. Bucks. Yo. Okay. Yeah. I'll book that. You know me. I'll, I'll book that. He'll I'll book that action. All right, Frosty. Yeah, we'll who you it. got, man? Let's see if we get a food bet going. Who do, who do you got in the big game? Uh, you know, I'm I'm going to disappoint some folks. Um, I think Casey runs away with it, man. Casey really runs do. away. So how about Casey on the uh, alternate line, huh? You know, maybe uh, lay seven, lay right. ten, get like plus three fifty, plus four fifty, something like that. Yeah, you yeah. like that? Is that what you're I thinking? Think, yep. Yep. So I think I think it's going to be close, and, and like Casey always does, they they come back, and then just everything starts clicking, and 
unfortunately, San Francisco fans go away disappointed. And I, I don't want to see that happen. Trust me, I don't. But if you're asking what my gut is, that's my gut. So, are, are you going to be going to the window? Am, am I going to be betting going, the game? Yes. You going to the betting uh, window? Am I going to be betting the game? Uh, I do not have a good feel right now. I got to, I got to get in touch with my inner. You know, I'm just that that line is not moving at all. I just, I don't know, man. It's close, but I got that gut, so I might, I might look for that that plus action. You know, yeah, fourth yeah. quarter stuff. Yeah, I might, yeah. Do, I might do some in game. I might rush down there and do some in game. You know. <sighs> yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, we're we're going. It is. We're going back and forth with this thing, and and I haven't found a side yet. So, but I don't know. I just the way this is what concerns me. You, you KC surged. I think San Francisco kind of limped yeah. in, and uh, the way uh, San Francisco allowed the run and Detroit to run all over them. I know they ended up winning that game, but. Um, they really didn't, you know, I don't know. I think, uh, KC is a better, uh, uh, a better coached team. And I know I'm going to get slammed for that as well. You're right. But, you're right. It's true. Um, so I, I, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be close, but I think KC runs away, uh, KC by seven. Okay. I think there it is. I like it. All right. $165, all you can eat, all you can drink, the plethora of food that Scott Frost talked about, the 21 TVs, no better atmosphere, the game day party, and it's right in the hub, right there, the Mandalay Bay right shops. There. You can't beat it. Yeah. My friend, I appreciate the time, appreciate the partnership, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you here real soon when things uh, you know, die down a little bit. Boom, we're going to get together, break some more bread, yeah. and come on by Let's and see you. Let's do it. All Let's right? do it. All right. All right. More fried chicken. How's that? You can't yeah. get enough of fried chicken no matter the location, nope. right? Nope. That's I got to come up with a bet. I got to get I got to get my meal paid for. Yeah. I, I know. There you go. I really prefer it when you pay. That's very nice. You know? <laughs> I know. I know. I know. That's okay. But yeah, you know, well, let's total comp. We'll figure total it out. Comp. Brother, I appreciate you. Enjoy Sunday, man. It's going to be a great scene there at Slice of Vegas. Please get out there and uh, make your reservations at sliceofvegaspizza.com. That's sliceofvegaspizza.com. Give out the phone number, Scotty, real quick. Oh, we got uh, right now. Go on the website, man. Yeah, I'm telling website. you, go on the website. Okay, there go it is. Go on the website. Sign click, up. Click and buy and get your seat, and it's, mm. it's all good, man. All that's, right, bro. That's going to be the easiest way for everyone to do that. So you got it, brother. Pizza.com. You there it, it is. Take care, my man. Appreciate you. There he is. All right, bud. Scott Frost, Slice of Vegas, our proud partners. All right. Back at the Westgate Las Vegas tomorrow, the Superbook. Myself, Marco D'Angelo, Jay Cornegay. Have yourself a good one as we continue to talk and preview and give you our best bets for Super Bowl 58. <laughs>